Welcome! You're tuned in to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper into content, conversation, and application of Sunday Sermon at Westside Church in Poplar Bluff. If you want more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. If you have any questions you'd like answered on this podcast, you can email them to info at westsidepb. Most importantly, it's all about Jesus. And welcome back to the rest of the sermon. My name is Nikki Mauser. I am the family director here at Westside Church in Poplar Bluff. Um, Pastor Jason is still on vacation, so you guys are stuck with me solo today. Our production managers are not able to be in here with us, so the Murphys are out. But I have a super, and I get to say special, uh, guest here in with me today because we have not only a friend of mine, but the chairman of our church board, Mr. Matt Blackburn. And Matt, you did something you hadn't done before Sunday. What did you do? Yeah, I got to preach. Yeah. I got to fill the pulpit. That was, that was something that was new for me, but very exciting. I think that's a great word. I think exciting. I was excited to hear. Um, for those of you who have been following along, we have been in the middle of a This Is My Story sermon series. And it is a three-week sermon series where different men of Westside are stepping into that pulpit and not only bringing you a little bit of their biography, we talked about the difference that last week between biography and testimony, but Matt kind of gave his testimony. Well, I'm not going to say kind of, you absolutely gave your testimony and spoke to the members of our church and anyone who was listening around the world about how you came to be where you are today. Um, I have known Matt Forever. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Because if I put a number on it, it's just going to hurt my feelings. Matt and my little brother grew up together, so I have known Matt forever. Our parents actually went to elementary school together, so I have known Matt for a very long time and his I, wife. Amy. Yeah, I remember coming over to your house in the summers, me and Aaron playing, and you like making us hot dogs and macaroni and cheese nice. for lunch. Nice, good. I was Because we weren't old enough to cook, but you were. Right, I was, yeah, because there's a significant age gap that happens there, and that's okay. I'm okay being the older one. Um, it's fun, because now I get to play with your daughter. Like, I get Ellie back there, and it's super fun to be a part of that. And knowing that our parents grew up together, it's really kind of a fun thing of who God puts in our life and when he puts them in our life. So, you chose the text for your sermon to come out of first out of Philippians, but you were in the first chapter and the first through sixth verse. So I'm going to read that real quick, and I want you to think about where and what stuck out for this to be such a big part. So we are in Philippians 1, and I'm going to start. He read the text reading was verses 1 through 6. I'm going to start in verse 3. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for you, all of you in my every prayer, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Matt, why this? Why? That very last verse there, he that started a good work in you will see it to completion. So for me, being in church, growing up in church my entire life, and um, giving my life to Jesus at a very early age, that was started a long time ago for me. So that mm-hmm. work that Jesus started in me happened 20-something years ago. Yeah. And obviously I'm not to completion yet because he hasn't came here, but the changes that have been in my life the last several years is just proof that that verse is 100% correct. I love that. So you talk, and you, and you, if you know Matt, you will know he is a faithful servant. I'm going to brag on you. I really am. And you are a very humble man. You are not a braggy, I mean, you're an extroverted person, but you are not flamboyant and over the top in who you are. You are a steady presence. And I think when you were giving your testimony, one thing that really struck for me was you didn't use the word I a lot. You gave your parents credit. You gave Amy credit. You gave her parents credit as to help being those building blocks of the foundation by dragging you to church. Yeah. So as that kid 
growing up in and out of church, what was your favorite things about going to church? And then we'll ask you what your least favorite things were. Obviously, my favorite things were just my friends there. Mm -hmm. You know, I created, or I didn't create, but I developed friendships at an early age that I have created, have had lifelong friendships with the same people. So some of these people that I grew up with, we went to church camp together, vacation Bible school, all of that. Those people are still my friends, so I loved going to church, seeing them, the fellowship, the interaction, and I think that's probably why I have such a deep desire for community Mm -hmm. that um, I really enjoy community groups and community just living life together because of those past experiences. I love that. Okay, so the flip side of that, what was the least favorite thing? Well, I mean, as a kid, you know, being there – every week Mm -hmm. sometimes and sometimes we would go Sunday nights too Uh, back in the day you know so I'd be listening to the adult sermon when I'm like six or seven Mm -hmm. sometimes stuff stuck out to me and I know I know it wasn't wasted but sometimes I'm like can I just crawl into the pew and take a nap I'm exhausted I've ran all day and swam and I'm wore out I know when I remember being a four-year-old sitting on the pew with my cousin at church and I got in trouble because I asked her when he was going to quit talking I was ready to go home (laughs) so I as a kid you understand that that's a kid thing as a teenager you don't want to wake up early yeah as as a not teenager there's some days I still don't want to wake up early absolutely Um, But you did. You credited your mom and dad um, for building that foundation. And then you also talked about a youth leader. And this is something you said. He didn't have an agenda. He would just pick me up. We'd go to breakfast and he would ask questions. And I immediately thought of a word we've been using a lot this year at Westside, and that is intentionality. Yeah. And he was very specific and intentional with you. So what were some practical ways that you see the fruit of now all these years later that he did that? So I try to do that sometimes too. Like um, obviously this past year we didn't lead a community group, but before I would do the same thing. I would have a couple people in there, a couple guys, just be like, hey, let's go grab a bite. Let's hang out. Um, Not that there's anything. I'm not going to sit here. We're not going to necessarily break open the Bible and have a study right now. We can Mm -hmm. But also, I just want to invest in you and get to know you, get to meet you, know what's going on in your life, because that's what he did for me. He would, like, come to my baseball games in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, He would just pick me up. We would eat breakfast. He would ask me how life was going, because sometimes you will tell them stuff that you might not tell your parents. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hey, I'm not doing so well in this class, or I've gotten in trouble a few times, you know. Um, And he would still call me out on that and be like, don't be an idiot, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know, just that, like I said, no agenda yeah. is what was, it was authentic yeah. is what I would say. And I think when it comes to um, community building, if you don't have that conversation and that relationship, if the only time you guys are gathering is to read, study, pray, that is never wasted time. But where else does that go? Does that allow room for friendship? And that sometimes does not happen. So do you still speak to this youth leader? Do you still see him? No, he lives quite a ways away. But just a few weeks ago, I was texting him. Nice. Um, and I don't even remember what it was. It was just like an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And I texted him. I was like, hey, thanks for all that you did. Yeah. Like I'm I'm where I am because of the investments that you made and the burden that God put in your heart for me. So we've had this conversation with me when I came on staff, with Haley and John when they came on staff. Um, Have you ever, thinking back, would you think you were sitting where you are as the chairman of a church board who helped revitalize a church? You're steering a church to a new way of thinking, not in a new, I mean, the Bible's still the same, but you're chasing it in such a tangible way when it comes to developing the leaders to where they're chasing the Bible and following Jesus in such a way. Do you think this was something that you would have been, like, could you have ever imagined where you are now? Maybe for a brief moment when I was younger, mm-hmm. junior high-ish, you okay. know, I could have saw that. But then the older I got, the more I wanted to run from that. Like mm-hmm. I said, my testimony, when Amy and I started going to that other church— uh, after we were newly married, I was like, I want to sit in the back because I don't want them to ask me to do anything. Right. I don't want to shake any hands. I don't want them to know my name. 
want to come in, get out. Growing up in church, you knew how it worked. You right. knew the inner working. When you are a part of it, my, my poor daughter doesn't have a clue of anything other. She doesn't She doesn't really remember life before Westside because she was so small. So she assumes she don't ask the question, oh, it's, it's 8 o'clock, we're leaving the house on Sunday because we're headed to church and we've got X, Y, and Z and this, that, and the other. Right. You don't have that. But when you do become those teenage, early 20s, newly married, you're like, oh, I can change some things. And you spoke into this um, about how you didn't, and I loved this. Even when we shift our focus from God, working on building marriage, building jobs, creating those things, he was chasing me the entire time. And you spoke about bargain prayers. Explain to some of those what those bargain prayers are. Oh man, this is almost embarrassing. No, I don't think it is, Matt, because I think it's very relatable because I saw a lot of heads nodding like, oh, yup. Yeah, so that was like definitely my high school and college years. Um, You know, you just have those prayers of those things that you want. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wanted a truck with a lift kit and I just turned 16. I wanted a river boat where I could go fishing and hang out with my friends on the gravel bar, all that stuff. So I would have those bargain prayers is what I call them. I would say, God, just please let me have that boat, and I will not go to the river on Sundays unless we don't have church that night, and then I'll go in the afternoon, but it'll just be a weekday boat you know, if you do that, and I won't miss church. Right. I will not miss any church, or you know, I'll, I'll help at the bread shed for three months if, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you make those bargain prayers, like, if you'll do this. And at that time, that's what I said in my testimony, like, I had taken my focus off of how good God was and who he was, and I was focusing on what he could give me. Mm. And, um, yeah, at the end of that, that's what I said, like, my focus was shifting from him, but he was always focused yeah. on me. I think we do that. I think as parents, we, we get guilty of doing that as, as children of our parents. God, if you'll please just whatever, um, fix this behavior. Can we have more money in the bank account because I really need to buy more shoes? I mean, sometimes it can be that desperate and that practical. Other times it can be even out of more desperation of, can you please heal? Yeah. I will do all the things if you can take these bigger burdens away. I think you did it from a very young person perspective of your bargaining was for tangible things you wanted. Right. But I think, I don't want to neglect the fact that as Christians, we fall into that kind of half-hearted Christianity right. of, oh, it's God's not a genie. This isn't Aladdin. We're not doing that. But we feel like, hey, you're the healer. Can you heal this? Can you fix this? We want to take those hurts and turn them into things. And that's not always good, but it is always God. And I love that you said he was chasing me the entire time because he was chasing you the entire time as he does all of us. So you went and you dug deeper and you said we are called into being community, which we have spoke about. And at Westside, we do community groups. You and Amy have led those and the training for those. And those are a huge part of who we are. Now, I'm going to be real honest. So... When I am an Enneagram 2, and I know Amy is, what do you know what your Enneagram number is? Oh, yeah. I'm a hardcore 3. You're a hardcore. Oh, my gosh. Another hardcore 3. I love you guys. You guys are great. Um, so when the signups came around for the first time of community groups at Westside, me being a 2, which is, hey, what can I do? I thought we were going to go, like, pick up trash or fix things or do, you know, who knows what. I wasn't, because I'd always heard them called small groups or, the, yeah. you know, y'all threw a community group in there. And I'm mm. like, this isn't, this is, we're going to go do something. And then Rick, my husband, said, Mm-mm, no, we're, you signed up. We're going to do this. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people except for, like, two. Did I get stuck in the group of people I knew? Nope. And that was fun stuff. But why do you feel like that is such an important part of how you and Amy work when it comes to pouring into, because you both pour into others so well. How does that, how do you balance that in you both work, you have a child, you have parents, you have the list. How does doing that? I don't know. That's a question I want to ask someone else because I don't feel like I balance it very well. 
That's Some, honest. Sometimes we're just all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So like we just go until we almost crash. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Um, I feel like the last couple of years, though, we've really been intentional about family time mm-hmm. because Ellie is so young mm-hmm. and we have saw firsthand how quick this time goes. Yeah. Like you'll get the Facebook pop-ups of five years ago and then I'll tear up in my truck because mm-hmm. I'm like, this isn't my baby anymore. She's, you know, yeah. hitting, hitting the ball while we play ball and growing like crazy. So we've tried to really take that time mm-hmm. and keep it sacred um, while still doing everything that we can, you know, through the church. Um, but I, I've just had to let go of some of my hobbies sometimes oh. and that's tough for me because I have like 50 hobbies and I don't do. Yeah. But you give Ellie a minute and a half and she'll be big enough to do a lot of those hobbies with you. Oh, she does. Yeah. Yeah. She's all about going and feeding the deer and fishing and she's right there. Because, and this is why I asked you that because you asked the question, you posed it and challenged the church in a way that I thought was very brutal and honest. And you said, what greater mission field do we have outside of our homes? I'm like, oh, captive audience. Heck yeah, we can. That's those people. And I love that Ellie sees you guys not only attend church and be very active in it, but she also sees those same people outside of her home, outside of church in her home. And I've got to witness that because Ellie has told me during one good thing in church, oh, so and so's coming for lunch or we're going to go do this, that, and the other. Which, if you remember, like when I was talking, the first part of my testimony, um, that's that's a lot of the same foundation that I experienced mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, like Sunday evenings after church, my parents going to other people's houses or them coming to ours. And I remember it all the way down to, you know, them eating little Smokies and Rotel and, nice. you know, just snack food and yeah. the kids just running around outside and them talking about life and talking about the Bible and everything like that. Like, that was the OG community groups yeah. before it wasn't community groups. It was just people in each other's houses hanging out. And so that's what I want Ellie to see too, because that was the foundation that was laid for me. And then now I see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize it at the time. I was just having fun with my friends. Right. But now that I see the benefits of that and what it's done, I want her to experience that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you got into in your thing about how watching those groups and those people get together, um, how praying for one another really does come into how a person grows in their faith. And you spoke about your parents praying for you, Amy praying for you, and you spoke about a moment in your marriage that was just not a good moment in your marriage. Anybody who has been married longer than five seconds has had that moment. Um, If not, I really want you guys to look at your marriage because someone's not telling some truth somewhere. And I say this as someone who's been married for a very, very long time. But it's not easy. And those moments of prayer on your knees, you quoted 1 Timothy and you said intercessions for all. And I love that you said for all because one thing I am working with the kids in the back is teaching them all means all. So when we stop and we pray for others... We don't just pray for those that think like we do, act like we do, walk like we do. You've witnessed that in your life. Um, What would be one of those big moments for you where you saw that come to fruition, where that prayer was really answered? And and it doesn't have to be a huge prayer, but that moment where you're like, "I I, I know Amy's been praying for that, or I know my mom or my dad or whomever has been praying for these things and God's doing this. So I think just practical boots on the ground is probably for people in my family that weren't saved. Mm. So we've had people, I mean, I remember at the earliest age of praying before I went to bed, you know, mom sitting down with me, us praying, and we would have our prayer requests and we would pray like name by name for each of those people that we knew that did not attend church, that didn't proclaim Jesus. And we would pray for them. And I mean, years upon years. And that's what I talked about the other day too. I'm sure my parents felt like their prayers were hitting this, Mm. you know, the floor of heaven and not making it up there. Sometimes you feel like that. But now, like even at our own church, we have family members that I was like, I don't know if they'll ever go to church. Right. And they're there 
pretty much every week. Yeah. So that is tangible. I mean, just I can look at that and say that's an answered prayer. Right. Without a doubt. It's a beautiful thing to sit back and watch yeah. how God has worked through things and how when you prioritize God, how that does kind of create a domino effect and to lead to some obedient wanting to serve him better and more and regularly. And I love that. You spoke about your Butler County dream. And I got so stinking tickled. I was like, that is the most Matt Blackburn thing I've ever heard in my life. And it was absolutely perfect. So explain to the world what a Butler County dream is. Well, for me, I think my Butler County dream was we had the house, you Mm -hmm. know, and um, I didn't really elaborate on the house. But Amy's mom and dad had built a house in uh, 2000. The highway was coming through the state bought the house from them Mm -hmm. and then offered to sell it to us for like 10% or something. It was stupid cheap. We're newly married. So we're like, absolutely. Right. We poured a basement, had house movers move the house. And um, Amy was a nervous wreck because, you know, she's nervous anyway. Mm -hmm. But they were insured to like a million dollars. So I was like, Amy, if this house falls over, I mean, we're going to build the house exactly like we want anyway. So don't worry about it. Um, so we had an awesome deal on the house. You know, we had the vehicles, had the riverboat. Mm-hmm. Finally, we had the dog. We just had everything. We didn't have Ellie yet, but we had everything that I had thought as an early 20 year old mm-hmm. would just put me over the moon. Right. And it did for a little bit. And then you said the cracks begin to grow and they begin to show because you had a God-shaped hole, but Jesus had little access. And I love that because I think sometimes when the world is great, like, you know, you've never seen anybody sad in a jet boat. No, but when they go home to their stuff by themselves and they're alone, they're yeah. still alone. Um, you spoke about a text message. Yeah, so um, Amy had actually... A couple weeks ago when Jason had called the men to the front to pray for one another, um, I had went to the front and I felt my phone vibrate. I didn't think anything about it at the time. Then after church, I looked at it and she had sent me a text message that she had sent her friend Mm -hmm. that that goes to church with us too. And she's like, my husband or Matt went to the front and so did your husband. I've prayed for this for years and sometimes I don't even notice it now because I prayed so long never thought it would happen now it's like pretty much second nature I see him up there and that was her tangible answered prayer Mm -hmm. is what she was saying I think she was just telling me that like she sent it to me for like hey words of affirmation you know this is what I prayed for so I thought that was pretty cool but seeing as how you went from okay Amy we had this big blow up we've had this fight I know you grew up in church I grew up in church We're doing things and they're fine. Yeah, we could do better at church stuff in Jesus. You know, just the the normal. Like you weren't a disobedient Christian, but you weren't really, you were more reluctant to get back into church life. And I'm using air quotes here because church life can be its own thing. And for that to happen in such a, and it's been a few years. I mean, time has passed, but... You went from reluctant to obedient. I mean, you you actually used the word cult in there, which, again, I got tickled because it's such a normal guy thing to say. Like, I'm not going to that church. All they want to do is this, 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 and this, and it's like a cult. Well, when I talked about Jamie Morse coming up to her the second time we were at church, I was like, oh, no. Like, because she's like, we're, we're leading community group, and you need to come check this out. And I was like, is not what I wanted mm-hmm. to happen. This is why we were sitting in the back, Amy. We waited too long to leave. Um, but it was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to us. Yeah. And now you're up there willingly praying over other men. And that's a beautiful thing at Westside that I am so thankful to be a part of because I've watched it with my own husband um, and with like family members and friends. The Westside men, it is like... Us women, we will get together and we have closed, like we've left church at midnight before because we will chit chat, hang around, tell stories. We will invest in each other quickly, well, and all cards are on the table. 
you guys want to shoot things, blow things up, eat things, cook things, and the whole, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Happens. But in those moments where Jason calls everybody up to pray, there are several. Like, it's not just one or two. It is this group of men that get together and pray for each other and worship Jesus in such a way that the women are texting each other about how proud of their husbands they are sitting in the pew. Yeah, and I I think that's so important because, I mean, even though Amy, when we had that fight, even though Amy would have went to church on her own, Mm -hmm. had I not joined in, it would have been a whole lot more difficult on her because she she knows that it would have caused fights. Yeah. But me giving that up and going, I feel like, just and it's nothing I did. It was just the Holy Spirit's conviction mm-hmm. on me drawing me there. But that redirected our marriage, yeah, and our lives, mm-hmm. absolutely. And um, I just want to challenge men to do that. You know, step up, do that. Just, I mean, sometimes it's something as easy as reaching over and holding your wife's hand and saying a prayer with her at bedtime. You know, just and that's such a moment of vulnerability for a man to lead in that way and I don't know why but it really is yeah because you don't you don't want to say it was just like me preaching the other day I was like you know I want it's not that I want to look good up there Mm -hmm. but I want to bring the word well right no one wants to look like an idiot so when you're vulnerable and you're in front of those people you're especially the person you love the most like your spouse then it's it's something that you know it's intimate and it's um I don't know you're just putting yourself out there. No, but I think that reluctancy that you really spoke a lot on was very real for so many men. Um, because you said your story wasn't like a, you were saved from sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You were saved from Sunday school. Like it, you didn't have some, I wandered so far and I came back story. You were in it and you just weren't living it you weren't being bad right. you weren't you weren't a, I've, I've known you for a long time you weren't a bad kid Matt well, I you haven't really spent weren't. a night in jail yet so oh see yet I love that um there's some days where I'm like I ain't been to jail but I might but I, I think you know when I think back on that too um I th- I think I might have said this I know I did at the preaching lab my testimony I would just put it under the file of average southeast missouri church attender but that is still an important testimony yeah because it is so relatable i mean you and amy had a fight before my husband didn't grow up in church the same way i did um cooper my son got us into church and i remember the first time we went into church for a sunday service as a family uh, Rick and I, like, when the doors shut on the car, we quit talking because none of the words either one of us were saying were kind. Right. And it was not a pretty sight. If someone who knew us well would have looked at our faces, they would have been like, oh, we're avoiding them right now. <laughs> and when we walked out of that building and we the door shut back in the car, we were both quiet. And I remember looking over at Rick and saying, what did you think? And he said, I think I need my own Bible. And we went straight to Hastings was still in business and he bought his own Bible. And that is still such a vivid, like I can smell the car. It is still one of those like, oh, that was God all the way. That wasn't. And I think your story is very true to that. It's so many other people's stories. And that's what I went on to say. That grace that saved me Mm -hmm. is the same grace that sent like, people that have made a life out of sinning, yeah. that enjoy, you know, that people that you would think, like Paul said, he was the worst of the sinners, chief of the sinners, those kind of people, it's the same exact grace. And that's what I said, you know, 30 years ago when I walked down that aisle, heaven rejoiced just the yeah. same. And I know sometimes we don't think of that because we think in relation to like recipes, you mm-hmm. know, you need a little more sugar if you got a little too much salt, you know, you got to balance this out. It's not like that with grace. A little bit covers everything. Yeah. Um, Jason has us as a staff reading a book and we were having this conversation, Haley and I were this morning about how we rate sin and how we then 
correspondingly would rate grace. Like, oh, well, they did more sin, they need more grace. No, no, a sin is a sin. It's all heartbreaking, and we're all wanted and covered because that grace does sustain us. And then one of my favorite things, and this is, you know, I'm with kids all the time in my ministry, and so I love that you went from, hey, I wasn't one of these guys. I was saved by grace, and I'm reading my three-year-old daughter a book and how that book you saw where God was chasing you. So let's talk about the book. Yeah, she was actually three days old when we were Three days old. Yeah, because me and Amy, you know, we were a little bit later in life, parents, and so we had all these plans. We're going to read a book every night before bed, and we still do quite a bit. But not, you know. Well, that's parenting. You always say, well, when I have kids, they'll never. And then your kids come along and they are never, nevering like you said they would never do. And it's, yeah. So we still do read books quite a bit, but we're like, we're going to start this rhythm right now. Mm -hmm. She's fresh from the hospital. And I mean, I can take you to the room. Mm. Like you said with the car, the smell, the everything. Um, I don't. I don't remember. The one thing I don't remember is if Amy read the book or I read the book. I think it was her. But she cracked open that book called The Runaway Bunny. And oh, my gosh. Um, You know, I read it the other day in the testimony, but it was like the little bunny wanted to get away from his mom. So he said, I'll become a trout in a stream and swim away from you. And she said, I'll become a fisherman and I'll catch you. And he says, I'm going to become a mountain high above you. And she said, I'll become a mountain climber. Yeah. You know, and just so on and so forth. Like everything he says, like he was going to become a bird and fly away. And she said, I'll become a nest and I'll welcome you home. Yeah. And at the end, you know, reluctantly, he said, I'll just become a little boy then and run into the house. And she said, I'll be your mom and welcome you with open arms. And do you want a carrot? He said, all shucks, I guess I'll be your little boy. Yeah. And I'm just teared up. Yeah. And I look at Amy. I was like, that's that's it. That's the gospel. It's like, I don't care how many books you read on mm-hmm. theology. I don't care how intelligent you are. Yep. It don't get past that. No, no. Not for me. God is chasing us no matter how far and how fast we run. Um, and you spoke about what, and we had, so let's pause for a second. The whole part of this, and yes, Jason is on vacation. However, that is not the only reason you are in the pulpit. Um, one thing that is happening is a preaching lab. So that is Jason developing and working with you guys to be able for you guys to take that role and step in there because you guys are godly men who have a voice, who carry it well, and you guys stepping into this preaching moment to further the mission, like you are, it's mission work. You are stepping into that and you are doing that very well. So explain what that was like for you when it was first like, hey, want to preach? Yeah. Um, it, so I was a touch nervous the other day, mm-hmm. but I had ran through my sermon several times. Like I was up at 1230 the night before polishing some stuff and rearranging then I woke up wide awake at 5.15 the next morning, yeah. ba- back to it. So I had ran over it enough that I was like, I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is my story. I'm just telling the story of what has happened and what Jesus has done in my life. So I was a little bit nervous then, but the moment that he asked me before, I was like, what am I going to say? Like, I'm I'm mm-hmm. a plumber. Right. I'm. No one wants to hear me get up there and talk about, you know, mm-hmm. my life. And he's like, I... I think you're going to be surprised yeah. because you're relational. You talk to people. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, just enjoy your vacation. I'll, I'll cover this yeah. part of it. And so I was nervous though at first, just cause I'm not huge on public speaking. Right. It's not like my forte. I've had speech classes in high school and college, but it's not something that I wanted to make a career out of for sure. Who did you have for speech in high school? I think it was Miss Branham. Yes. I was hoping you were going to say that because she was phenomenal with that. And that was her last year. I was a freshman. I was thinking. I had it with a bunch of seniors. Yeah. Yeah. That's great because for those that don't know, Matt and I went to the same high school. Again, we grew up, so the teachers, and she was phenomenal at that because that was her world. Yeah, she was Um, really good. Yeah. So that is good. So public speaking, though, is one of those things you either aspire to do it or kind of like you 
spoke through your, you're reluctant to do it, but you overcome and conquer and do it. And you did it really well. Um, I love that you were a little nervous because that meant you felt the weight. You yeah. knew what you were doing was important. Um, and then you got into my favorite part of just about every sermon is the practical applications that come out of it. Cause if you read Philippians and you see where Paul is, and I mean, Paul's writing this letter and he's in jail and he's telling guys like, Hey, be careful. This is what's going on. And he's doing it from a place where he can't be out there. And you're in that mission field doing this work and you challenge the congregation by asking them what they are running after, whether it be worldly things or godly things. And then you said this, life beyond this one is worth so much more than we could possibly imagine. Are we really chasing the things that matter to God? And I thought that was such... You said that? Yeah, you Oh, did. man. Yeah. You got deep, <laughs> that, friend. That, that was a Holy Spirit moment yeah. <laughs> speaking through me. I don't... Yeah. yeah. You said life beyond this one is worth more. And I was like, ooh, that's getting in my notes. Um, and, and it was absolutely right and true and relatable. But I watched heads cocked because I was in the very back and I was kind of in and out and then thought, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not distracting Matt. I really get nervous for that some days. And I was watching heads like listen to you intently. And I thought that was beautiful to remind us to shift our focus. And you, you even spoke that you have to do this daily. Oh man. Like, yeah. Like even today going to work, I was like, because it's so easy to focus on what's immediate, you know. I want to provide well for my wife and child. I want to retire someday and not completely wreck my body before then. Oh, so, I, you know, you have all these thoughts. So I need to make money now. I need to invest now. I need to have a side hustle. I need to create passive income. You have all of this. And then some days I just hit the immediate stop button and I'm like, whoa, but why why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm. And sometimes it's just maybe me listening to a podcast or mm -hmm. me listening to a sermon or just hearing a sermon in church. And I'm like, whoa, I've, I've got to think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. So anyone that was in the congregation that day, don't feel like I'm putting you on blast because I blast. I know what Jason talks about now when he's like, I'll tell him, like, you smoked me this week with yeah. that word. And he's like, dude, I smoked myself yeah. all week. Like, yeah. I have been beating myself up with this. So I understand that because I, like, daily have to reflect on there is an eternity. Mm -hmm. And we need to have an eternal mindset of – because I don't want to get at the end of my life and be like, okay, I got a ton of money in the bank. I've done great but how many people did I lead to Christ? Right. How many people did I share that with? How many people did I help along the way? Mm -hmm. And it be so minuscule compared to the amount of work that I've done to build my kingdom on earth. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very true of all of us. Um, the second question you said is, who are you praying for daily? And I thought that was like to hear that kind of made me sit back and go, this man is sit here and he has given his testimony and he has spoke about all of the people who have prayed into his life to get him not where you are now because that is God's work, but they interceded on your behalf. The, yeah. Those people who are willing to bring your name before God are such valuable people. Um, I don't remember if this was a Jason thing or a women's study thing, but we call them our upper room people. I think that yeah. came from Jason. Um, and having those people that are praying for you daily. But I like that you didn't say who are, but who's praying for you, but who are you praying for? Because sometimes it's not the people you are doing life with. Sometimes it's bigger than that, that you need to stop and pray for someone who may be out on the fringes. You mentioned your mom having the list of names at bedtime. Did you always know all those people? Yeah, like it was just mostly family members yeah. and friends. That yeah. weren't, you know, it wasn't, Oh, pray for them. They're ill. They're this, they're that. It was pray for them to find Jesus. And I love that, that you asked, who are you praying for daily? Yeah. Daily. So that tells me about the rhythm of all this. And I, then... Because I remember praying for Ellie before she was born. Mm -hmm. And I remember Amy saying, hey, we need to be praying for her future husband. Um, yes. I'm like, oh, okay. 
I have actively been praying for my daughter's husband since she was two. And I don't want that to be some creepy, like, oh, Nikki's holier and she's got it figured out. No. Um, My daughter requires patient people in her life. So I have been praying. We, We do not need a husband for her that has to grow into patience. Right. Yeah. He needs to like been have been born with them in a lot of ways. So I understand that you yeah. praying for those Cooper, his wife has gotten whoever she may be. Her prayers are very specific as well. Um, and then you asked, who are you doing community with? Who are you in? You said, are you floating like a feather, or do you have people in your life challenging you, holding you accountable, and encouraging you? And then, are you doing that for other people? So. Who would be some of those people that you find that you have those relationships with? Do you have a four or five guys or a couple of family members or friends that you guys really do live life well with? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Jason, mm-hmm. I, I confide in him a lot and he helps hold me accountable. Um, Matt Phillips, mm-hmm. really good friend. We've shared a lot of prayer requests together before, um, live life together, and just talk, you know, pretty yeah. much every couple of days. Um, you know, I've got several friends like that that I just I can call on at any moment. And, I mean, we live life together. We eat dinner together. We hang out. But the thing I feel like that separates it from just being friends is, at any moment, I can call him and say, hey, man, I've been a complete idiot this week. Mm-hmm. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for my wife and our future. Right. I need you to intercede, and he will absolutely stop and do that. Okay. Yeah. Do you have those that call you out? Oh, absolutely. I love that. That was I knew, I knew the answer to that, guys. I'm not yeah. even going to lie. I know Matt's got those people. Because you can have those people who speak into your life. And you can call and say, hey, pray for me. I'm having a hard day, and they will do that. But to have one of those friends who, in a moment, looks at you and says, that was a little harsh, or did you really mean that the way it sounded, or what are you doing here? That's coming from a place of love that is on a higher level. Yeah, and I've felt conviction about that before because I hate to get in people's business. and Mm -hmm. I hate to do that. I hate to be a line stepper. Right. But when those people invite you into their lives to do that and mm-hmm. you don't, you're doing a, them a great disservice. I think that is absolutely true because if we were, if everybody's like, oh, we're great, we're fine, we're great, we're fine, that's not being authentic as to what we are called in community. And you quoted in Galatians 6 and you said, if any or, Listen to me. Matt, you wrote the Bible today. Okay, here you go. You didn't even know how deep you got. Galatians 6, 1, you quoted and you said it that restore. Hang on, let me find where I'm at here. If anyone's caught in any transition, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, self, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so in that moment when you were talking about bearing one another's burdens and being called out, have to live in that community to be able to pour that into. And I think having those people, I love that you asked that um, for us to have those people in that community, not only for the encouragement, because we can all be each other's cheerleaders, but it's when can you be the cops, not really the right word, but like the dad, the dad, there you go. Yeah. yeah be the I dad. remember one time Amy and I had set in with some friends and they were having some struggles in marriage and just arguing, just normal stuff, right. you know, nothing. And I remember my friend getting snippy with his wife and just his tone. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this. I do not want to say this. I was like, Hey man, your tone's terrible. Uh-huh. And you really need to love her better and talk to her better. Because sometimes I have a really bad time right. too. So I'm like, and maybe that was my reservation mm-hmm. as I'm like, I don't want to tell him this because he knows I'm the same way. Right. But at that moment, I was like ready for a fight. I'm like, he's going to rear up. And he just kind of teared up. And he apologized. And then later on, he's like, hey, thanks for saying that. Mm. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah. So I don't know. Those moments, too, are a lot like what I'm talking about when you pray with your wife or whatever. When you share those moments and you're vulnerable mm-hmm. with people and you're transparent with people and you don't act like, I've got it all together. Yeah. I, you know, you go home and you fight and argue with your wife just the same as we do. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, you love her like Christ loves the church and you just go on. Yeah. Um, you forgive. So I, I think that's why I think community is so important. But I think your testimony in this, watching you live life and grow into this person that you are now with Amy, because and I almost wish Amy would have been here with us today. And I thought of that on my way here. I was like, oh, I should have had Amy come too. Yeah, you probably should. She I been, really, she would have been good. I really, and so we will, we will fix that. Amy will be here at one point in time, and then we'll talk all about you with you not here. That'll be how we do that since we did that to her tonight. Um, but I do think watching you guys grow into this is very beautiful to sit back and see because you guys not only are saying things like when you stepped into that pulpit, you gave your story, but we've also watched you live it. So there's an authenticity there that came through that was very genuine. And I wanted to thank you. So I'm going to follow this up with the last question. You wrote a biography. What would you title it? I know it's a hard question. Or a song. You can write a song. I think it would be something like Ordinary Excitement. Okay. You know, because life, I feel like I don't have a whole lot of exciting exciting things, I feel like, adventures or anything. It's ordinary, but the excitement is sometimes in the everyday. Yeah. Kind of like, I mean, sometimes when I go home and Ellie's like, let's go out and you pitch the ball and I hit it. I'm like, this is pretty awesome. This is, and it's not like. You know, when I was talking about living that Butler County dream, mm-hmm. like growing up, you get like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to travel the world, which I s- still enjoy traveling, and Amy really does. But the the ordinary, everyday mm-hmm. stuff is what, I mean, like reading that bunny book. Yeah. I mean, those are the memories, just the things that you experience every day with your family and mm-hmm. friends. So just ordinary excitement, I guess yeah. you would call it. No, I love that. So you guys got to listen to Matt Blackburn tell you his story. Um, If you've not listened to it, you can go to any streaming service and find it there. Um, You can also find it on our Facebook page, which is Westside Church. Um, You can check it out on the web at westsidepb.org. If you have questions, um, you want to get in contact with us, anything you might want to know about who we are as a church and what we do, you can email us at info at westsidepb.org. Um, we have a lot of things coming up. Hey, I just before we get too far, I want to say thank you for having me. Oh. Because I have, like, give Jason a hard time yeah. about not being on here. I'm like, I'm your friend, you know. Right. I, I do stuff in the church. I'm not on the podcast. So it took him leaving to go on vacation to sneak me in here right? on this podcast. Look. But I appreciate it. I mean, the boss is out of town, so we're oh. going to do what we can do. I love and it. And that's pretty sad that your bestie and your partner in crime at church is bailed and I had to do it, so yay. Uh, which No, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm thankful we have a church full of people who are willing to step in and do this because yeah. I, look, Jason's smart. I play with kids, so, you know, <laughs> I teach Jesus to small people. We could have them in here, and that would be chaotic and fantastic, but the listeners might not learn a whole lot about who we are as a church family. And I think that is something we want to convey really well is we are a church family. We do live life together. And in doing that, Matt Blackburn and the West Side men are leading the charge our last night of Vacation Bible School, which is you guys listening to this will be tonight at 630. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we are going to have fireworks. We are going to have axe throwing and some fishing games and some potato sack races and some hot dogs. But most importantly, at the center of everything, we are going to have Jesus. Um, Westside is a busy place to be. We have a lot of events going on. Um, Financial Peace University is coming up July 10th at 6 p.m. Right after church that day on July 10th, we will have the AV um, team launch and lunch. 
Um, the Karen Winter Circle will meet that Monday, July 11th. We have a youth float trip, a youth night event. Um, worship team auditions are happening. And then we're ending the month of July with a swimsuit Sunday for kids side where the kids get to wear their swimsuits to church. Did you ever get to do that at church when you were Never. a kid? No, I think it's great. Did you ever get to yell in church? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. See, family worship was this past Sunday, so I got to get up and act like a loon um, before Matt stepped into the pulpit. And I love that I get to let the the adults am- amuse me more than the kids do because the kids are used to yelling and screaming and that, and the adults are like, can we really use a bigger voice? Um, we weren't we weren't allowed to do I wasn't allowed to do that as a kid, so yeah. it's fun that I it have. Is fun. It really is. Um, and then every Sunday we meet at 10 a.m. at Westside Church. We have our boiler room prayer ministry that is a really cool thing. At 8:30 they meet to pray for the members of our church and whatever prayer needs are brought to them. They really lift up our congregation in prayer well. Um, anything and everything you could possibly want to know about what is happening is, again, westsidepb.org or Facebook at Westside Church. Next Sunday, Pastor Jason will not be back yet. We will have JT, our up-and-coming resident, in the pulpit. I'm excited. Uh, I am because the Kidside Kids are going to be doing like a VBS recap. So we're going to we have a little Kidside moment happening yeah. and then JT. I love having the kids out there because we have so many. So many. And it just reminds the, the people that aren't, that don't have kids back there that may be older or they mm-hmm. don't have kids yet and they're younger. It just reminds them how alive our yeah. church is yeah. with littles because man, there are a ton. We had um, over 75 kids at VBS last week. Amen. Um, and over like 120 by the time we factored in the youth group that was there serving and all of the volunteers. Um, that's more people at 75 than were there when I started attending Westside. And I love that. Like it is such a, I love that the value and people see Jesus so well there that they want to be there to chase him. I love that. Uh, Matt, thank you for being on here, taking time out of your day. We appreciate it. We love you guys. We will be back next week. We will have JT in here with us. And like everything else we do, we want to remind you it is all about Jesus.